Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. Before we get into the Marcus Smith interview today, I just wanted to tell you about a new image transfer tool I've been using lately called PicDrop. Uh, PicDrop's a really great tool for when you need to send off those files to your clients, whoever you're working with. Uh, it's really great. You can create uh, private galleries, different folders for whatever various assignments you're working on. Um, your clients can actually write notes on the photos you send to them and rate them. It's just a really easy way to organize all your files in one spot uh, when you need to send them off to your clients. I've been using it for a couple months now and really enjoy it uh, for me uh, for years I was using like Dropbox and we transfer and things like that but with PicDrop, it was actually designed by photographers so they really understand what photographers need uh, so like I said I, I can't say enough about it and with today's podcast if you use the promo code PhotoBanter, you're gonna get three months free when you sign up at pickdrop.com um, so definitely go check it out and let me know what you guys think and remember to enter the promo code PhotoBanter, and you'll get three months free when you sign up at pickdrop.com and without further ado, we'll get into the Marcus Smith podcast right here. Thanks so much. Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer and director Marcus Smith. Marcus has worked with clients such as Adidas, Apple, Bose, Coca-Cola, and Nike, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Marcus about how he got into photography, some of his early assignments, how he kind of broke off on his own from assisting to start shooting, how he was marketing his work. And I also speak to Marcus about his approach to photographing ESPN, the magazine's The Body Issue, and much, much more. I've been a big fan of Marcus's work for a while now. Really enjoy the creativity he brings to all the athletes and things he shoots. Uh, so I can't say enough about his work. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. And thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, Marcus Smith, uh, welcome to the podcast, man. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, a lot of people requested you uh, over the last year or so, so I was excited to talk to you. Um, but I guess to start off, I was kind of curious what you've been working on lately. Uh, yeah, um, lately I've been working on, you know, a lot of the same stuff that I'm usually working on, which is like, uh, just like work with various clients, uh, Oop, hello, Mark. Like, hello. Can oh, you yeah. hear me? Oh, yeah. Dropped out there for a second. Oh, sorry. Um, I was just saying that I've been working on a lot of stuff that, um, a lot of the same type of stuff that I've, you know, that I generally work on, um, which is like a lot of stuff with clients, you know, like Nike and Adidas and stuff like that. But then also just like trying to uh, always sort of like think of things to get into that I just want to do for myself. So. Mm. um like last last week or a couple weeks ago i just did uh like a personal shoot um up in new york uh where i just got a model got some clothes and stuff and just had a fun you know shoot and it was just like stress-free you know to work on that so um just trying to do stuff like that more and you know find a balance between the two yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, like on your Instagram, even like I think it was last week or something, you just kind of did like a like a little light study. It was just kind of some like interesting like still life stuff, and it was just kind of yeah. like it was just kind of fun, like because obviously you shoot a lot of commercial stuff, um, but this kind of this shooting for yourself and stuff kind of keeps you inspired in between the jobs, pretty much. Yeah, for sure, definitely. No, uh, that's cool, man. And I saw one. Uh, I think it was some new work on your uh, Instagram. You shot Willow Smith, and it was. I think it was called Future Loop. Um, what was that project all about? 
Yeah, so um, so Adidas is doing this uh, this project uh, with their running shoe, the Ultra Boost, where they make like a recyclable version of that shoe, um, and they're launching a program eventually where uh, they want to be able to sell you the pair of shoes, and then like you can run them into the ground and then bring them back into the store, and they essentially just like make another shoe from the old shoe. So it becomes like a, a you know, a whole loop wow. uh, type of thing. And so that's what the idea behind that shoe is. And then they sort of like linked up with Willow Smith as uh, sort of like the face of the project, uh, just because that's something that's like sort of a passion of hers. It's like environmental awareness and, mm. uh, and sustainability and stuff like that. So um, she's kind of like the perfect, you know, sort of a, uh, um, ambassador for that type of project. So, um, I was tasked with like, you know, just photographing her for that. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, whenever I photograph somebody for a project, I always look at it as an opportunity to sort of like get an image, uh, of them or put them in a, in a, uh, in a space and photograph them how I would have wanted to do it. Um, anyway, if I had a, a different opportunity, uh, with them. So I looked at that as an opportunity to, you know, just work with Willow and not just create something that Adidas could use, um, but also something that I, uh, would think would be cool, uh, regardless of whether I seen it, if I seen it attached to that project or not. Yeah, definitely go, go beyond the comps that they give you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it came out really cool. Like uh, the photos you shot, I don't know if they were actually used for the ads or whatever, but it was like I think you you were working with like some prisms and stuff. Was that kind of um, yeah. what you kind of brought to it? Did they end up using those yeah. those cool prism photos or how did that kind of yeah? All, so all they work? did. So they did use those photos. Um, uh, so like the the photo, all the photos that I posted were uh, part of the the actual campaign mm-hmm. that launched. Um, Willow actually has some things uh, contractually that you, uh, we're not able to use other photos that aren't a part of the official campaign. So everything that's out there in the public is stuff that is officially a part of it. Um, but yeah, like the, the, the thing with the prisms and stuff like that, that was just something that I brought to it myself. That wasn't really something that, um, you know, that I was, that was a part of the creative necessarily. That was just an element that I thought could work really well for what the idea of the project was you know with it being like a part of the loop uh thing you know we had this whole like idea i was presented with this idea that we wanted to implement circles into it in any way that we could so um i knew that i had a prism that could do something like that so i just thought it could be a cool look and I just experimented with it. I didn't wasn't sure whether or not it would work or whether or not the clients would be feeling it or not. Yeah. Um, but it was just something that I just decided, you know, might might be cool to try in the context of the project. No, I liked it, man. It was just like really different. Like obviously people use prisms, but I, it's not something I've seen a lot lately. Um, is the prism stuff you you've done a lot with that, or is that kind of something new you're kind of um, fooling f- messing around with? No, I actually I've been playing with prisms for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to say that I've been doing that probably you could go back as far as like maybe four or five years um, that I've been messing with putting things in front of the lens and like 
trying to play and create like different foreground elements and stuff like that. I kind of just like try to keep up with, you know, whatever uh, sort of like little trends and fads are, are out there. Um, and like, you know, try to put your, put my own spin on them, you know, just to see what's new um, and to, and to continue to, you know, to get excited about uh, just seeing the image in a different way. You know, uh, sometimes, you know, uh, if you overuse something like that, um, it becomes more about the effect than it becomes about the picture. So like, I, I kind of try to limit how much I do stuff like that. But, you know, it's it's fun to play with. Yeah, it's really cool because it's like with prisms, like every photo is going to be different. It's almost like it's almost like a Polaroid in a sense where Polaroids, every time you shoot a Polaroid, it's going to be different. Like the peel apart stuff. Yeah. It, it's kind of unique. And that was actually one thing I was going to ask you, how you kind of you touched on it with the uh, trends and stuff. Because um, I've talked at this at, at nauseum on the podcast with like so many photographers with like the colored gels and stuff. They're kind of popular right mm-hmm. now. I know you use them. Yep. And with the trends and stuff, like, do you feel like you need to utilize those things to be able to get commercial work or what's your kind of take on it? I don't think so. Again, like I, I feel that like your success as a photographer within the commercial world is going to depend on like, um, how well you can communicate ideas. So, um, I don't think that it's smart to necessarily like, chase trends or to do something because you think other people are are doing it and like you feel like you need to keep up mm-hmm. i think that if you are truly like drawn to something then you shouldn't let the fact that it is a trend like stop you from doing it so um i mean if you really want to experiment with color gels and color lighting and stuff like that because you think it's cool yeah. then i would do it but because of that and not because um you think that it's going to help you get more attention or whatever, because, you know, that that's just approaching it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that like you should just follow your instincts and just follow whatever truly is uh, interesting to you and just let that um, sort of like lead you, I guess. Yeah, no, I think like you said earlier, you kind of pick your spots when you're going to use those tools and I guess you use kind of utilize them when when, when the creative uh, inspiration, I guess, strikes for whatever that project might be. Because like looking at your website, you do a lot of a different a lot of different stuff like you mess with the colored gels and then sometimes you'll just use natural light with some cool like Nike running stuff. So it all this kind of depends on the project pretty much for you. Yeah, it depends on the project, uh, maybe even how I'm feeling, you know, like so. Um, when I did the personal project, I, I guess when you do, um, personal projects or when you have projects where you are the one deciding what you're going to do and how you're going to approach it, that's really a, a, the most accurate representation of like, you know, quote unquote, your style or whatever, because clients, they're going to come to you and they're going to come and they're going to ask for, uh, you know, specific things of you that maybe you've done in the past, that's generally what client work is, is, you know, usually it turns out to be like a rehashing of something that they've seen from you already. And so you're really like copying yourself in a sense, you know? Um, So like when I decided to start like years, like when I started messing around with the color stuff more, that was just because that was a reaction to, um, sort of like what I was trying to do 
with my own photography. The story I was trying to tell within my own photography, and it had nothing to do with trend setting mm-hmm. at the time. You know, at the time that I started going into the direction of using that stuff, um, I was already working on, you know, a promo piece for myself called Color Theory. Yep. You know, so I was already doing a lot of stuff with colors and backgrounds and trying to do contrasting stuff with um with clothes and patterns and all that stuff and that was the story that I was trying to tell and weave throughout my work uh whenever I did anything personal. Yeah. You know, and so as a way to like further investigate that side, I started naturally looking at oh, how can I bring more color into this or what's a different way that I could tell that story, you know, besides just using a, a, a colored backdrop or having somebody in like this, a really bright, you know, colored uh, suit or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, wow, I can see what, you know, these colors, this color lighting does and what I can do with that. And so I started, you know, playing around with it like that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, no, so, it's, it's smart. I'm I think sorry, it's, I probably got away from you. Nah, opinion, man. But. <laughs> nah, it's good. I like it, dude. Uh, yeah, because I think it, it, I think for me, like when I look at people that use all these different tools, it's like it's it comes through if it's like sincere or if it's not. Like you can kind of tell when people are just trying to use a tool to use it, like a technique. But you can tell, like with you, there's more of a, a reason to it. Like you said, you had your color theory project, so there's like a reason to use that that tool, not just like. I'm going to use this technique just to use it, you know? Right, right. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I guess to go back, like, where did you kind of grow up and how did you kind of get into photography initially? Um, Well, so I grew up in Chicago on the south side. Um, I did not grow up uh, paying attention to photography, knowing about photography, or even being interested in it. Mm. Um, I didn't, and, and that was like mainly due to access. Like I just didn't, I wasn't exposed to cameras and the art of photography and all that stuff. Uh, as a kid, I was more concerned with basketball, video games, music, um, all of that stuff, which honestly, um, still shapes sort of just like my outlook on photography now. Um, so like I found, I got into, I was into art stuff like drawing and, all, and, and coloring and like making my own music and just thinking artistically mm-hmm. uh basically my whole life but <clears throat> when i got into photography specifically i was in a, i was nearly out of college um i was like 20 or 21 wow. when i found photography just by way of like a little cheap sort of like um camera like digital camera that somebody gave me for high school graduate as a high school graduation gift it was like a 50 dollar camera and i started messing around with photoshop and a bootleg copy of photoshop back when i was in college but i didn't know what to do with it Mm. you know i just was doing little silly things taking facebook pictures of you know off the (laughs) off of the internet and putting and doodling stuff on it and making fun of my friends like that. <laughs> you know, I was doing that, <laughs> you know, early on. And then I started making, like, I started out doing Photoshop stuff, you know, just making like mixtape covers and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I would cut out, you know, I would scan a magazine uh, spread, you know, from a photo shoot uh, with a, with a music artist. I would scan that 
and then cut it out and then, you know, make a, 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 a custom background and album cover for like my album, my mixtapes and stuff that I was keeping on my computer. Damn. Marcus does it so, all, man. He so, does illustration, graphic design, photography. <laughs> he, he's a one-stop shop, man. I like, I like it. <laughs> I mean, that stuff, it was just for fun. It wasn't good. You know, <laughs> it was just for fun, but, uh, but it definitely was kind of like, you know, prepping my mind for a lot of the things mm. I'm doing now. And yeah. So, and because I had that background of like sort of working uh, with, you know, thinking like that, I wasn't doing it with the thought of like, this is going to be something. I was just doing it for fun when I was growing up, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so then I got into, you know, photography cause I just needed better pictures for yeah. the, the, the little silly mixtape things, covers that I was making. What were, what you, were you, go and what were you so, going to college for? I went to school for business economics. That's smart, man. That's actually, that's a really smart. Do you feel like uh, going to school for business has kind of helped you running your own photography business at all? Uh, No, not really. I mean, maybe it has a little bit, but not really. I really, my thing about school or college is that, like, it's more, what you learn there is more about, like, people skills mm -hmm. and being social and learning how to network and learning how to talk to people. Like, I don't know if you necessarily learn how to run a business while you in college, yeah. you know, from the classes that you take, it's a lot of theory and what is involved in a lot of economics classes, mm -hmm. you know, so you doing a lot of game theory and all of that stuff and you just learning how to think, yep. you know, so I don't know if that necessarily is pushing me in, in the, the right direction as far as like how to run a photography business. Yep. Um, but it's definitely, you know, just being in that environment taught me some work ethic things and taught me, you know, some, some, some social skills and how to be around different types of people, you know, that maybe if I didn't go to college, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to experience that. No, you know? that's cool. And like, I guess when you got done with school, like, what did you think you were going to do at that point? Like once you finished college? Uh, just get a job. Yeah. Uh, just, just like work, you know, for sometimes the typical, you mm -hmm. know, go to college, get a job, work at a corporate yeah. corporation or whatever. Um, at, you know, with whatever position you entry level position you could get. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's kind of like, as far as my plan went at the time, um, until I found photography and, uh, you know, I was encouraged by my mom to kind of like pursue that as a career and, uh, see where it took me. Mm, that's awesome. So how, how do you kind of end up getting into the photo world and kind of making a living at it? What was kind of your first step into that? Um, if I think I remember, did you end up going to Hallmark? I think. Yeah. So I went to Hallmark. Uh, that was a 10 month program. Um, so like it was over, it was over pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and then while I was there, I ended up working full time for like two and a half years for, uh, Gary Land, yep. who is a, another commercial photographer, um, that's out of Boston. Um, yep. and I was there for that, that time working for him. And I kind of just like made, made a few connections with, um, some people as far like art directors and stuff like that. I probably walked away, you know, knowing maybe like three or four different art directors that I was able to like hit up or whatever and, and, and ask like, 
yo, can you look at my stuff or whatever? And um, that was kind of just like, you know, my first taste of like commercial yeah. viability, just being able to look at what it meant to be a commercial photographer. Because before that, I really didn't know um, the ins and outs of photography as a business. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know what type of money people made. I didn't know what the expectation was. I just didn't know what that looked like. You know, so being exposed to it from Gary gave me an idea of what was possible. Yeah, I remember um, I actually worked with you on a on a job with Gary, and it was when I think you were still in school, and I thought it was really cool. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, you actually like flew yourself out to like a shoot that they were doing in North Carolina at NASCAR just to assist those guys. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And yeah. then and then when we got back, we worked on a under jams. I don't remember. It was Gary yep. shooting under jams. It was like thirty five little kids in like a fake bedroom yep. set. It was wild, but I thought it was, it was pretty cool. Yep. You you like took the initiative just to like reach out to Gary and be like, hey, can I tag along on one of your shoots? And well, uh, what happened with that is that. Um, I didn't fly myself out. Mm. Uh, that would have been that would have been dope if I would have <laughs> been that hard working. <laughs> but but he uh, he basically I basically hit Gary up. Um, when, once he came to he came and spoke at this at Hallmark. Yeah. Um, probably like the fourth week of us being there, and uh, he gave everybody his email. You know, he gave it to the whole class, like on the on the on the. Uh, on the presentation board or whatever. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how many people actually followed up, but I followed up, sent them an email. We ended up, you know, kicking it, kicking it off. Um, uh, with just like having a lot in common, Mm -hmm. you know? And so eventually, and then I would like be doing little shoots here and there. And I would always, you know, just send them stuff and be like, yo, I'm working on this shoot. Tell me what you think. Or, I would just be like, I'm trying to do this thing. What do you think? How do you think I, I can approach it different or whatever? So I just tried to find ways to keep the conversation going with him. Mm-hmm. And eventually he just reached out on his own and was like, yo, I'm doing this shoot in North Carolina next week or whatever. If you can get out of school yeah. then you know, just let me know. And I'll, I'll be happy to like bring you, bring you along and you can kind of like see, you know, what this shoot is like and whatnot. And so, yeah, you know, I, that's how we linked up and so that's really how it happened and then i went to north carolina and then we came back and i worked with him in boston on that other shoot and yeah. then you know the rest is history after that he asked me to you know after that he was just like yo if you want to you know after you get out of school or whatever you can you know move up to, if you want to move up to boston then you know i got a spot for you Mm. you know at our place so that's awesome um, man yeah because that was yeah. right that was right when he was opening up that big studio in quincy and uh, i guess like w- what you kind of learned working for a guy like that because like in my mind i mean i was lucky enough to work for him a few times and uh that guy's his drive and like his technical ability with like he can do the job from start to finish everything all his own retouching like uh, he's one of the most amazing photographers in my mind uh what do you think you kind of learned from working with him for a couple years most um the the biggest thing i always say this i i mean i i've told him this before but the biggest thing that i learned uh from gary was just like the importance of of just pursuing things on your own Mm -hmm. you know not like gary was never really one to like wait for other people to hire him to uh hire him to do things you know he was always good about coming up with ideas and 
and, and executing them on his own, mm-hmm. you know, and, and investing his own money in those ideas, even if it meant a lot like, of money, a, a lot, lot of money, money with Gary, <laughs> yeah, a lot of money. Yeah. He would invest it. If that's what it took in order to execute that idea, he wouldn't be afraid to go ahead, to go ahead and invest in himself yep. and prove that, you know, he could do something, mm-hmm. you know? And so I kind of took that attitude on as well when I left and decided to do my own thing, I kind of, you know, just looked into like, what, what do I want people to take away, you know, from me as a photographer? And am I showing that right now? And if I'm not, then I need to do something about it. You know, I can't just talk and uh, try to use words to, to explain to people what I want to be doing. You know, I have to be active and pursue it aggressively by, uh, doing it myself, yeah. you know. So yeah, that's definitely. What I did. And how do you make when you make that jump to quit assisting Gary? Like, what's your next step? Like, did you, what was your portfolio looking like? How are you getting your work out there? What were kind of like some of the first jobs? What was kind of your next transition? Kind of to starting your own thing. Well, the the next transition was like I, it was it was basically to tear the whole thing down, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because like the, the career that I was on the way to building for myself with Gary, you know, it was great if that's what you wanted to do, but it wasn't, you know, it doesn't help you, you know, get to being a photographer, Mm -hmm. um, any quicker, you know? So I basically had to be like, all right, I had enough of this. Um, and I got to start from zero, you know? So I moved back to Chicago like literally moved back into my mom's house um, where I was, I didn't know, you know, how long it was going to take or what it was going to take to like get things rocking for me. Mm-hmm. But I just took that risk because I believed in myself and was like, I got it. This is the only way I'm going to get it to make it. I'm going to be able to make it work. It, yeah. You know, it's to put yourself in a position of uh sink or swim. So that's what I did. And, um, when I looked at the book at the time, I had loads of like personal projects. So when I was at Gary's place, you know, he allowed me to use the studio, use equipment and stuff like that on the weekends when, Damn. you know, it was empty when the studio was empty. So I took advantage of that as much as I could when I was there. Um, so I had work from, you know, portfolio stuff from that. And then, you know, uh, I decided at that time when I got back to Chicago that I really wanted to uh, focus on a, 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 a personal project that reflected who I was. And that was when I decided to do the team, the basketball crew love uh, that I did called crew love. Yeah. And so um, I worked on that project for like four or five months, you know, before it was finished. And I just, you know, shot that stuff and, that subsequently turned into like the first commercial job that I ended up getting, which was uh, with Jordan brand, uh, helping them start their Instagram account um, back in like 2012. And now is this from like emailing the agency, the project you worked on, or did you do a print promo or this is pretty much? So I did a book. I did like nine copies of the book and I sent out those nine copies to some people that I had met over the past few years at ad agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was an art director that then handed off that project to somebody else who was working on the Jordan project. And then 
um, you know, that person got in contact with me. Uh, and that's how it kind of kind of happened. Damn. And, you know, one thing I'm always curious, because, you know, it, you get one job, but making this a full time career, did it kind of take you a while to build it up where you kind of got more clients? Like, yeah, because it's, yeah. it, it's easy, yeah, it e- easy to get one job, but to be consistently working. I think that's the toughest thing photographers struggle with, you know? Yeah, for sure. Because it wasn't like I got that. I, I think that most of the time you hear a story and you say, oh, OK, he got that, you know, that one job. And then from there, it was just rocking. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like that. You know, it was like I got that one job and that created sort of like <clears throat> at the moment, it created a level of security um, because I got some money. But, you know, I it was just one job, you know, so and a lot of that money that I got from that job went into reinvesting back into the business to make it better. Mm-hmm. Because at the time I didn't have enough money to get a port to to have a proper portfolio or to have a, a real logo or to have a lot of things that you need to make yourself look competitive in the commercial market. I didn't have those things, mm-hmm. you know. So I went into uh, using that money to pay for those type of things, you know, to hire a real designer, to get new portfolio books, to now do like a promo to now pay for access to like the ad um agency the access. agency access uh database yeah. uh to now fly myself to new york or la or whatever if i needed to be there for a meeting or whatever you know that's what i was mm. now using that money for and so yeah that's that's kind of you know that's good. This now you just now you just using that to hustle more. Yeah, this kind of, and so at that point you're just kind of hitting the ground, just showing your book to as many people as you can. Um, did you ever do like yeah. any, any of those portfolio shows they have? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I actually did the New York, the NYC uh, Photo Works. Yeah, I did that portfolio show maybe two or three times um, around the 2012 2013 uh, era and. I even, you know, and sometimes with meetings, I, I even after, you know, I would just code, even I would do a lot of research on agencies, a lot of research on different art buyers and what they, uh, the projects that they might've worked on. And I was just cold emailing people, mm-hmm. you know, people that I didn't know that I didn't have a previous relationship with. I would just research them and what they might've been working on. And then I would just email them things that I was working on and say, Hey, I think I'll be a good fit for, you know, ex client that you have, you know, let me know if you want to meet one day or if you have time, mm-hmm. I love to stop by, blah, 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 you know? Yep. And sometimes they responded back. Sometimes they didn't, you yep. know, and that's yep. kind of, you know, just how I kept building it. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's the name of the game. It's knocking on doors. I always say, like, honestly, you know, the photography, the art thing, that's the thing that you get to enjoy, but the hustle, it's no different than like, selling like a pro- any other product could be insurance you could be selling cars but it's just getting your name out there and the day like i mean your your product in a sense is your photography and that's if you want to yeah, work, work sure. commercially it's just knocking on as many doors as you can and hopefully uh some will pick up um yeah definitely um but i guess like you know one thing i'm always kind of curious about did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your voice as a photographer like your style aesthetic is that like something you think about a lot um, so, you know, some photographers find a struggle finding their voice. Did it kind of take you a while or? I don't think that 
I don't think that that's uh, I don't think about it that much. Yeah. Um, because I think that that's something that happens naturally if you just do it long enough, mm-hmm. you know. Um, if you just can, because I feel like that's something that's always evolving and changing. So the the stuff that when I look at my work over the past, you know, ten years or whatever, the things that I liked ten years ago, I don't. Some of that stuff I don't still like anymore. You know, mm-hmm. even when I look at some of the things that I liked five years ago when by the time I considered myself to be good at photography, (laughs) you know, even when I look at, even when I look at some of those things, I still look at certain stuff now and be like, man, I don't, I don't really, you know, like that anymore. Cause like my, like my, my just, my aesthetic and like my, um, my eyes just changed, you know? Um, so I, I don't know if you can, you ever stop, really trying to find your voice necessarily i think that that's just a part of you just being yourself like not giving in to the pressures to like do something that you don't really do mm-hmm. you know um i don't know if you know i don't want that to, to be confused with quality yep. you know because i think that like the quality is also something that can always be uh sort of refined and uh sort of worked on um too so um no that's smart i think it's it comes through in your work like you're you can tell you have a genuine interest in sports like obviously you love shooting basketball and all these things so kind of it's not like contrived or like forced it's it's genuine you can tell you have an interest in those things and a lot of times with the commercial stuff i look a lot of people's work and you can tell they're just trying to shoot work that they think uh, that's going to attract clients. And then in, in my mind, it just comes off as stale and kind of boring, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think that like, you know, you probably like uh, some people that, that when they do things a certain way, um, it's, it's really just because they aren't challenging themselves, you know, like they just know that certain things are going to work. And so they just continually do the same thing over and over again. Um, and me, I, you know, I don't know. I think it's cool and fun to kind of like mess up sometimes and like think something's going to work, but then it doesn't work. And then, you know, then you learn something or you come out with something unexpected. Like, yeah, you just be like, Oh damn. Like, you know, I tried to do it this way and it, it didn't look how I wanted it to, but maybe it looks even better than you thought it would because, you know, I don't know. It sometimes it happens that way too. So yeah, you can just continually learn. Like with the prism stuff, you it's just another tool to learn something to have fun with. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe next week, uh, Marcus is gonna be shooting eight by ten, black and white. It's it's endless what you can, <laughs> endless what you can right. do with this tool. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. No, nah, that's yeah. Because the prism thing honestly came out of a response to. Um, not having control over a certain shoot that I was working on. Like I was going to be working on like this shoot for Nike that was going to be just moving too fast. Like for me to really light anything and for me to really like, um, make it look interesting if it, if it didn't, uh, if, if the situation that I was in with the athlete didn't look how I wanted it to, it just wasn't a whole lot that I was going to be able to do. So I was like, Hmm. I started thinking of ways that I could try to like infuse uh, 
a sort of like different look on it. And, you know, that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to play with this prism on this shoot and see, you know, sort of like what I can do. And it kind of just became a thing from there. So, yeah, it's like yeah. At, the, at the end of the day, it's like photography is fun. That's why you initially get into it. And it's like, I mean, that's why I love it. And I think, you know, sometimes it does get weird. Like I think early on when I started like shooting commercially and stuff, uh, you're trying to make money, you got bills to pay. So it's easy to yeah. go down that trap of like, oh, I need to try to do this. But then I think what I've learned, I think is this, you just got to do your thing, have fun with it and hope people uh, respond to it. And at the end of the day, you know, some people are going to like it, some people are not, but you should just shoot what you want to shoot pretty much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. And with like having you shoot so much like uh like athletes and stuff, what is it about working with athletes you enjoy, you think? Um I don't know. I think it's just fun like to be around the people that you you are fans of and like see on TV and you know, get to interact with them. Um I think that that's probably the the fun part and then uh just because like you took that person's picture just to have your images be put on a platform where more people can see it. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, I, I think also like the fun part of like just working with athletes and sometimes just working with a, a, a person that can do something in such a way that nobody else in the world can do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so when you work with like this incredible athlete that, you know, is known for, you know, jumping a certain way or, you know, doing something that, you know, that you aren't, you, that you just will have a hard time replicating. Like, that's always fun, you know, yeah. to have that experience. Who are, who are some of the first uh, big athletes you work with when you started shooting uh, some of these bigger jobs? Uh, probably the first, the honestly, the first, like, celebrity athlete that I ever shot was Carmelo Anthony. Oh, wow. What, what, yeah. do you, what do you remember about your mindset going into that shoot? Were you, were you nervous? Was it, were you anxious? Like, what do you, cause you, I wasn't nervous because the, the way that that shoot was structured, I was shooting like alongside video. So I wasn't even having an opportunity to really direct him. Mm. Um, and I was really just put in a situation where I was just kind of like capturing him from whatever spaces I could fit in, you know? So, um, and I was just trying to make something out of nothing, mm -hmm. uh, really, um, which in itself is another good exercise um, to sort of like put yourself through, I guess, because mm -hmm. um, every situation isn't going to be Ideal. one where you can control everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, so, look, like, looking at your work, is that something you do a lot of? Because I know just this last year you did the I know Nike did that whole commercial with Kyrie and his dad. And I, I know you shot the stills. And then I'm looking at the, the you did some cool stuff with Kobe. I, I think it was his final season. I'm guessing that was part of a commercial. Yeah. Um, is working alongside videos. Um, how do you kind of approach those shoots? Like you said, a lot of times you don't get complete control. Um, how do you kind of deal with those uh, shoots usually? Um, just trying to think about where the opportunities for you to to get time are going to be. Um, I did do so like with those ones that you brought up, mm -hmm. the circumstances were always different. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the sort of like process is always a little bit different depending on how big the production is and, um, sort of like what's needed on the creative side. Uh, 
versus what the video team might be doing. So uh, I always deal with it depending on, you know, sort of like what that approach needs to be. Um, So like sometimes you don't have, you don't get time by yourself and you don't get a separate set and you don't get the lighted and all that stuff. And then other times, you know, they may, you may just be sharing the talent, but you're not necessarily sharing the set, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, that in those situations, two situations, they'll call for you to be sort of like two different style, work two different styles, different type of ways. Uh, you know, you might, um, for one where you don't have a lot of control and you just literally are shooting aside alongside the video. I think for that situation it's you just working fast mm-hmm. and just being able to communicate with the people you need to communicate with and figuring out, you know, where the, where the best spot or where a good spot might be for you to try to capture the shots that you need to capture. Yeah, the the Kobe, uh-huh. the Kobe Bryant stuff came out great. What was kind of the scenario working with him? Because uh, was that was pretty much part of a motion project. Uh, they came out great. How was that kind of project? So that that project was a again that was like um, that was like a combination um, project. Like some shots I captured during the commercial shoot and was just trying to figure out like okay, I like how you know, it's still essentially the same thing for me as far as like lighting a person or whatever. You, I don't believe that you light a person or whatever mm-hmm. with just by how you place a light. Mm-hmm. You can light a person without touching the light. You know what I mean? So like in a situation of working with Kobe from a distance at times, I was still lighting him by choosing where I was going to shoot him from. Yep. You know? And being like, oh, he's going to be placed right there. I want to make a portrait where, you know, he's lit like this, Mm. you know. So rather than trying to dictate where I was going to place the light, I just dictated where I was going to place myself and what lens I was going to use and all that. I made those decisions to frame up certain shots that I had in my head and to get that shot, Yeah, you know. So... Now they, um, they I was doing stuff like that, and then I was also like, I had opportunities where I was actually full on like dictating to him what I needed, and he was just doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they came out great. I, I really enjoyed them, and uh, you know, one shoot I was really excited to talk to you about. Uh, you shot for ESPN, the body issue. Rest in peace, ESPN, the magazine. Uh, but uh, how is your experience shooting the body issue? Um, you you shot some really uh, cool stuff. Uh, the experience, that's great. The, the, the body issue is, um, probably one of my favorite things that I've gotten to do mm. over the last three years, uh, you know, working on that, uh, just because like, it's such a challenge because obviously the athlete is new, but also just like, um, all the, the level of photographers that they generally get to do it mm-hmm. and, wanting to sort of like be a standout amongst that crowd is like a good challenge. So, um, I, I, I sort of like have been, I've been having a lot of fun with, uh, with doing that. Did they give with like the body issue? Um, because you did some really cool stuff. Like they built a set where it looked like the the running track was kind of like it kind of bled into the wall. Um, do they kind of yeah, give, do yeah. they give you a lot of creative input on those shoots? Is that your idea? How does that kind of all play out? Yeah, so stuff like that. Um, 
you ba- so the process for me, I don't know how if it's different for other uh, photographers that are doing the issue, but the process for me generally goes like they hit me up, they tell me, you know, that they're interested in me for one of the shoots, and then they tell me who the athlete is, and then I start just doing research um, and start trying to think of ideas about how I could like sort of accentuate. Uh, the parts of that athlete's body that make them special. Mm. Um, And then I I started working backwards from there with different themes and set designs and stuff like that, that I might be able to work into it. So that one that you are referring to, you know, that was actually something that I came up with the idea to do the, Mm. the whole track thing and have it go up onto the wall and stuff like that. That was something that I kind of just thought would be kind of dope. No, I loved it, man. You accomplished it. It seems you got a lot of stuff out of that shoot because you did some really cool stuff, like some black and white stuff. Then there was like that cool photo where it was like almost like three different colors. It was like purple and yeah. pinks and stuff. Um, how do you kind of operate on shoots? Are you someone, do you do you shoot quick and just try to move on to the next thing? Do you spend a lot of time on each setup or what's your kind of workflow when you normally shoot these type of jobs? Um, I'm pretty decisive. Like I'm able to decide pretty quickly whether or not I like something or, or not. Um, and once I decide that I don't like something, then I'm pretty good about moving on from that. Um, and then if I do like something, I'm pretty good about not really like overshooting it. If I feel like I get enough, I like follow my gut. Like if I just felt like I shot it enough and I have what I feel like I wanted out of it, then I kind of move on. So um, I only stick with any one thing if I feel like I can make it better. Mm. Um, you know, if I'm feeling it, if I like it, and if I know that I like it, and I know that it could be better than what I'm doing, then I'll stick with it as long as I need to. So mm. um, I just did uh, another body issue shoot, and um, I I had that scenario. There was a shot where I loved, you know, what I was working on and what I was coming out with, but it was certain parts of it that just weren't right yet. So, mm. and it took us probably 30 or 40 minutes to get there, you yeah. know, on that particular shot. Um, and that's kind of like a little bit longer than I normally spend on, mm. you know, one shot. So, yeah. um, but, but I stuck it out just because I knew what that, shot could could be yeah this trust your trust your instincts um i guess before you shot your first body issue had you shot any nudes or anything like that um what what do you kind of remember about that first shoot uh with the body issue was like intimidating um what was kind of the mood on set uh was it any different than a normal shoot um i had not shot any i hadn't not had a history of shooting nudes yeah um before that um I think I just had a solid sort of like understanding at that point when I did the first one of like, you know, lighting prowess and like compositional mm-hmm. uh, prowess and just like stuff like that. Like, but I didn't have any sort of like previous um, experience with shooting news and the, the sort of client, the sort of energy on set was just positive, you know, like positive and professional. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that I was necessarily nervous Mm -hmm. about it um, because I had planned um, so much ahead Mm. for it. So, like, I knew 
that at the end of it all, I knew that like I had done what I could to put the right people in place to be successful at it. And so I just knew that like at the end of it, I would at least come out with one or two good images. Yeah, no, at the can, very minimum. No, you, you got know, so, yeah, you got a lot of good stuff. How was your subject? Were they pretty this game for whatever? Or how were their nerves kind of on the shoot? Because in in my mind, they're the ones who should be nervous, you know, <laughs> or maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. the first one was with yeah, the first one was with Nabil and Williams, yeah. and I want to say like not just with her shoot, but with all three of the ones that I've done. Mm. Um, the athlete generally is most nervous in the first like five to ten minutes of being nude on set. I mean, you're the only nude person in a room where everybody else has (laughs) got their clothes on. I mean, but for me, the way that I make it a little, I try to make it um, a more comfortable environment by having uh, non-essential personnel kind of like step outside the set and kind of run an extra, extra tight set. Um, You play music music on sets? Yeah, I I always have music on set, and also like my digital tech. Um, all three of the people that I've shot for Body Issue are all female, so um, it does help that I had a, a female digital tech on all of those shoots too. Yeah, um, and so like, uh, yeah, it would just be me myself, the digital tech, maybe like the photo editor from ESPN magazine, and like mm-hmm. one assistant. You nah, know, so like we go, we move into having just a skeleton crew once the person derobes. Yeah, no, that's smart. Um, were you were you surprised uh, the other week when you heard ESPN the magazine was closing up? What, what was kind of your your initial reaction? Um, yeah, it, you know, it's it's uh it's it's closing print. It's not closing all the way. Yeah, it's going uh, digital. They're going to shoot things for digital, and they're still going to even print. Mm-hmm. Um flagship sort of like issues like the body issue is still apparently going to be printed so um but i i mean with that being said i kind of like saw that coming i guess like Mm -hmm. i think that that's just the future unfortunately for most publications Mm -hmm. is that they're gonna be sort of like going into the same sort of structure uh just because the demand for print just seems like it isn't there like not on a monthly every 30 day or every two week mm. cycle like that i don't know if you know the market is gonna you know be there for a lot of magazines for them to continue doing it like that yeah it's pretty interesting to see where things will go like uh yeah because it's just magazines kind of be dropping like flies lately like even like popular science magazine they used to do 12 issues a year now they're doing six rolling stone used to do two a month now they're doing one um so it's be, i mean it'll be interesting to see where photography kind of goes because the editorial stuff do you enjoy doing that stuff too uh aside from all the commercials i do yeah i think that i don't think that editorial though is gonna shrink i think that that's gonna continue to be strong and mm-hmm. be what it is it's just not gonna live in print mm-hmm. i mean the the need for those things to get shot is probably bigger than it ever has been yeah um now you know with uh with social media and digital and 
platforms and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that the opportunities for photographers and covering uh, subjects and stuff like that is still going to be there. It's just not going to be printed like it used to be. Yeah, it's just different. I mean, shit, uh, this uh, Monday, Golf Digest just got told, sold for $30 million to the Discovery Channel. Um, so there's some hope there. That's uh, I thought that was a positive thing I read. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, obviously you live in Chicago. I was kind of curious, did you ever feel any pressure to, like, move to New York City or L.A. or one of these kind of big markets? Or um, what do you, what's your kind of take? Uh, not not really pressure, per se. Um, I did have a desire to move to L.A. at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't really because of work. Um, it was just because of lifestyle. And that was something that I was – a piece of advice that I was giving to, to – um, from somebody, you know, with the, if you want to move, don't move for work, but you know, to rather move because that's where you want to live, you know? Um, so like, uh, the decision not to move to LA, um, happened because I ultimately, my wife and I ultimately determined that being close to family and friends that we already had in Chicago was more important than, kind of starting over again in California. And mm-hmm. also it's like California is just mad expensive um, <laughs> in terms of like owning a house and all that stuff. So yeah. we just like determined that that lifestyle wasn't really for us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we stayed in Chicago, but um, as far as like my work is concerned, um, I feel like that largely depends on like what your goals are, you mm-hmm. know? Um, with me being sort of like more heavy in the sports advertising world is not really, I don't really need to be on the ground in LA or New York like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I end up having to travel a lot of times to wherever the athlete or celebrity or whomever it is that I'm shooting is anyway. Yeah. Or even for commercial projects that don't involve a celebrity, I'm fortunate enough that they're, they've been big enough projects that usually I have to travel to wherever is the most appropriate place for that idea to be executed and not necessarily like, oh, you know, it, the company we're shooting with is based in Chicago and the agency is based in Chicago, so we're trying to find a Chicago photographer. Yeah. Um, those are typically not the projects, the type of projects that I'm involved in. So mm. um, it's been unfortunate you know, for me that where I live isn't necessarily that important. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's like, I do, but I do understand that, uh, that that pressure does exist for, um, for maybe photographers that, that are working in another, uh, sort of, uh, field, I guess. Yeah, that definitely. Cause at the end of the day, if you have a good product, if you have good photos, clients are going to hire you at the end of the day, you know, it's like any other thing. If you have a good product or a good business, people are going to, they're going to come to you, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that if you are like, okay, so if you are a fashion photographer or want to be heavy in that world, then I feel like it's kind of, it would be really difficult for you to exist outside of like the major markets like LA or New York, you know? So like, if you want to be recognized and work a lot in, you know, celebrity entertainment, for instance, then not living in LA puts you at a huge disadvantage. Mm -hmm. That's kind of 
you know, what you see for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that there are reasons why, you know, a person could decide that they need to be in one of those places. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on what it is that you want to do. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, another thing I was kind of curious about, I know you, uh, I think your rep is, is still Candace Gelman. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess when did you kind of know you were ready for a rep and, um, what did they kind of bring to the table for you? How did you kind of knew, knew they were the right fit for you, I guess? Well, I, I think I started under, I, I started to think that I was ready for a rep when I started consistent, more consistently getting interest from like ad agencies about putting together estimates and trying to, uh, you know, bid for projects. Mm-hmm. Um, once I started to have that happen on a continual basis, I was just like, okay, maybe I should at least start to talk to um, reps and reach out and see, you know, what the interest is from them. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just one-sided, you know. Yep. Um, it's A lot of photographers, I feel like, make that mistake of mm-hmm. thinking that it is. Like, oh, I just decided I wanted the rep, so, I, you know, I'm going to just go out and get one. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> you have to also have, like, they have to be interested in you, too, oh, you yeah. know. So I, when I thought that I was ready for one, um, I was just hoping that the, the feeling was mutual and, like, uh, they wanted, they wanted to do business with me. So, mm. um, I started reaching out when I started getting that interest from ad agencies. And, um, and when I met Candace, that's kind of like, you know, she, uh, sort of shown, showed that she had a mutual interest in me and we kind of hit it off. And so it kind of just worked out ever since then. And I guess what does she kind of bring to the table for you? What is it you're like when you're partnering with a rep? What are they? What are you hoping they're gonna um, help you with and I, kind of bring to the table? I guess. I think that reps bring to the table some infrastructure. Mm. Um, they bring to the table like a way to deal with um, clients that want to talk, that need to have conversations about money. Mm. Um, a lot of times, like when you have to be both the creative person and the financial person a lot of times you just don't have a bandwidth mm-hmm. uh to do it all so yeah you need somebody else that can help you handle those type of things um and you also it helps to have somebody um on your side of the table that's familiar with the kind of terminology that's getting thrown around and can just quickly react to some of the needs of an agency person you know um sometimes you might uh, I can tell you like scenarios where I've been, you know, flying from one place to the next and then I'm on set all day and then I'm location scouting. And then when I get back to the hotel, yep. I haven't looked at my phone mm-hmm. for the last like three days straight, really, yeah. you know, except yeah. to talk to my wife when I get into the, into the room, mm-hmm. you know? So in that situation, uh, business is still happening for, you know, other clients and they want to know answers to things. And so it was good to have somebody, got your back that you know can be doing all that stuff yeah, yeah. um no, that's re- so that's one instance yeah. and then the other instance is like just um somebody like you know reps that have infrastructure in place to sort of like help you promote yourself too hmm. you know whether it be them helping you set up meetings when you're going to be in a particular city or them you know personally taking your book and going to agencies and just making sure they're updated on what you've been up to and yeah. all of that stuff. 
because uh, you just get busy and you can't do that as much anymore either. Yeah, it's just uh, it's almost I look at it's almost like another arm to like the marketing or whatever your business is. They're they're helping you on, on marketing yourself when like you said you're busy sometimes because like you said like a lot of photographers think they're gonna they're gonna get a rep and that's gonna lead to work, but it's not really really the case. It's more it's just another another tool in your in your box to kind of propel your own business pretty much kind of right. Yeah, because like the onus is still on you to mm -hmm. to do what you think needs to be done for your career. You don't get a rep and then just <laughs> automatically just blow up as a photographer and just start shooting for different clients and stuff. Yeah, I mean they can help you with that, but the onus is still on you to hustle and Great figure work. out like how you want to be marketed and figure mm -hmm. out like you know, what your perspective is and what your voice is and all that stuff, that's still on you to do that. And so I still routinely put time and energy into, you know, meeting new people and kind of building inroads myself into, you know, having a clientele that I want. I don't just, mm. you know, make work and then pass it off to my rep and then let her just, you know, expect her to just run with it. You know, that that is something that, I want her to do, but in addition to that, I still do it myself. You know, I'm still emailing or, you know, e personally emailing certain art buyers and art directors or texting them or yeah. whatever and letting them know, like, hey, I worked on this project or mm -hmm. whatever last week or this thing I shot last month. You know, I know y'all working on blah, blah, blah. I thought this could be cool if you want to use this as an idea. You know, I'm mm -hmm. still doing that stuff. So yeah, it's like um, uh, it's like you said, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a personal business, and you still need to have these relationships. You can't just be hands off. Once you get a rep, you still gotta uh, talk to these people and be a part of the whole thing. You know, um, yeah. And you know, once you kind of start working on these bigger projects where these agencies are spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes, um, what do you think the key is to manage managing these big projects where it's like large crews and lots of money? Um, is that something it took you a while to get comfortable with working on these bigger projects, or how do you kind of uh, manage all this? You think? Yeah, the key to that, I feel like, is like you only you're only as good as your team mm -hmm. because when it gets to a level like that. Um, you start depending on a lot of other people to do uh, do jobs that are essential to the outcome of the project, you know? So uh, you're only going to be as good as those people are at that because you then have to have a level of trust yeah. for those people getting done what, what you need them to get done. And if somebody fails at that, then it's going to ultimately make you look bad. So mm. you have to just make sure you have a team that you trust and people that you can depend on to, to do what you need them to do, mm -hmm. you know? And if that, if you can, if you can get that, uh, you know, get that part of it going, then I really don't think as much you had to worry about after that. It just becomes like thinking through, um, what's needed and being as prepared as possible. Yeah, definitely. And you know, one campaign I was excited to talk to you about, I really enjoyed it. I, I think you just shot, uh, either earlier this year or last year, uh, it was from Nike. You shot a bunch of marathon runners. I think you photographed like over a hundred people. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what was that? What marathon was that for? And like, what was kind of your experience working on that project? It was for the Chicago marathon and it was over a hundred women that were running the marathon. And, uh, I did it in two days. Uh, one shoot day was in L.A., another shoot day, no, three days. One shoot day was in L.A., two shoot days were in Chicago. Mm. Um, 
and basically uh it was like real real women so not like models and people that we casted it was just real women that were running in a marathon basically i had a portrait studio set up um at the nike store okay and women just came in while they were getting their numbers and bibs and stuff and we would ask them to step over and you know take their photograph and so like some of the women um before i would take their portrait i would just talk to them for like you know a couple minutes about why they were running in the marathon and what that meant to them and all that stuff. And some of them actually like cried like real tears, like telling me uh, their stories of how they were running, how they were struggling with training or the reasons why they were running. Some of them had some really deep uh, sort of reasonings behind why they chose to run in a marathon. So that was a really cool project uh, to yeah. work on. Yeah. The photos were great. And then this, the whole ad, the layout, all the, the text was really amazing. It, it was just, uh, I, I love ads like that because it's like like you said you're shooting real people it's just kind of sincere it's not like this huge like polished thing you know yeah definitely yeah no it's cool and uh you know one thing i, I know you do some uh, directing stuff too um what is it about uh, directing the motion work stuff that you enjoy uh just the just the process like it's a different style of working um you know photography can be a little solitary sometimes mm -hmm. and i find that video work uh is is way more of a team effort so um working with another artist like you know just getting a dp a talented dp for instance and being able to see how different they do things and uh being able to learn from somebody else like that i think is dope you mm -hmm. know because i've been able to learn a little bit more about uh even how i would approach a certain lighting situation about watching certain DPs mm. and how they would light certain things and how they would just take, make little small changes sometimes to a scene that would, you know, end up having like a really big difference, uh, different effect on like the overall product, you know? So, uh, just being able to collaborate in that capacity and, uh, see how different people work through whatever their mediums are, you know, yeah. It has been fun, you know, with dealing with uh, film. Do you find that like on are are there a lot of projects where you're you're both directing and then shooting stills at the same time? Is that kind of common for you, or not so much? Or yeah, I'm worried. I'm actually working on a project like that right now, um, where it's probably I think it comes out and it's gonna come out in June. I had a last shoot day mm -hmm. uh, this Saturday, um, where I'm doing that. It's probably the second biggest one that i've done where it's been like that where it's like multiple athletes multiple cities and um you know where i'm shooting stills and directing the the uh film as well yep. uh yeah it, i mean that's happening more and more for sure and with the motion stuff or what's your kind of style or do you get hands-on with the camera or are you more just kind of let the dp kind of handle all the the, the the filming and whatnot or how's your kind of approach usually you just kind of sit back yeah i still i mean my style is really just letting the dp uh work and do what they do um because i again i feel like you're only as good as the people around you so like i usually try to choose a dp whose work i really respect and i really trust their eye and sort of like what they bring to the table for the project so i kind of like let them do their thing i relay what my ideas are and what I want to see and then how they want to approach it. I let them, you know, kind of decide that for themselves. Um, and so like, yeah, I, I kind of at that point just focus on, uh, 
uh, sort of overall aesthetic and maybe like what the talent is actually uh, doing. Mm-hmm. And I let the DP kind of do their thing. Mm. And, you know, one thing I'm always kind of curious about, like when you're shooting, like when you're having like a portrait session with someone or directing someone, how how do you kind of like talk to your subjects? Do you kind of lay out um, how the shoot's going to unfold, a kind of portrait shoot? Are you, are you someone to like, do you chat it up a lot? Or are you kind of more quiet and kind of let people do their thing? Or how do you kind of approach like portrait shoots, I guess? Um, it depends. It depends a lot on the subject. Because, I mean, some people are more comfortable in front of the camera than others. Um, and I think that uh, comfort is like the ultimate sort of like truth teller. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's like comfortable, then they're going to really show you who they are in front of the camera. And if they are uncomfortable then and stiff and everything, you're really going to see that, you know. So if it's somebody that is confident and just already naturally like good in front of the camera, then that's a situation where, I really have to introduce minimal sort of like uh, direction, mm-hmm. you know? So like I kind of just let them go and just do their thing mm-hmm. and just snap away. But if it's somebody whom I'm sensing or maybe even explicitly told me uh, that they're uncomfortable or that they don't know what to do, mm-hmm. then I start trying to figure out ways to make them more comfortable, whether it be like playing some good music or whether it be talking to them a little bit beforehand or mm-hmm. even talking to them during the shoot and telling them what I like and showing them pictures, you know, showing them the difference between uh, different things and saying, like, when you do this, you look like this, but when you do that, you look like this. So let's do more of, you know, the other thing. I like it when your head is up, held up higher versus when you let it down or when you, you know, or when you slump your shoulder like that, it looks like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I give that kind of feedback if it's somebody that needs it, you know, um, versus like somebody else. You know, like when I shot Willow Smith, she didn't need that kind of direction. Yeah, you know, she's been photographed. Uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, she's she's a she's basically a model. So like, <laughs> um, I mean, you could just let her go, and she's just gonna give you all this great stuff, you yeah. know, and. I mean, my direction is very minimal. It's like, tilt your head a little bit more that way or mm-hmm. look over here or give me this, you know, turn three-fourths or whatever. Or for this shot, I was thinking, you know, it could be cool if you're a profile or whatever. It's little stuff. It's not really, yeah. you know, a whole lot that I have to say to somebody like that. Do you feel like it's a challenge sometimes photographing someone like a celebrity or well-known athlete who's been photographed a million times? Is it more of a challenge uh, to make a compelling portrait than of someone that's like a random person? Um, what do you think? Um, I wouldn't say it's more of a challenge. It's a, it's a different type of challenge um, because I think each scenario comes with its own set mm-hmm. of uh of obstacles that you have to face and get over. Um, but dealing with a celebrity, you know, that's been photographed a lot. Sometimes, uh, giving them direction is useless. You know, sometimes, you know, that's just not the energy that is on set, you know? So, um, a lot of time, a lot of times the pace can sort of like be dictated by them and how they're feeling. So, um, you might have a celebrity that you deal with, that wants to be directed and doesn't mind, you know, sort of like your input, or you might deal with a celebrity that, you know, is not trying to hear anything you had to say. And they just want to get in front of the camera, take the shots and be done with it, you Mm -hmm. know? So you kind of have to just roll with 
whatever the vibe is that that person is giving off is like almost being like an Uber driver or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, if somebody getting your car and like they don't want to talk to you, then it's probably smart to just stop asking them questions. You know, yeah. you don't just Mar- keep poking at them. M- Marcus is trying to get that five star rating, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So if I if I sense that you don't want direction from me. Yeah. Then I'm gonna stop giving you direction, and I'm gonna just try to make it as best I can, and you know, with that scenario. But yeah. Um, but I haven't really faced that too much. I most of the celebrities that I've dealt with have been cool with, you know, just doing whatever I asked them to do. Yeah, yeah, because you did a really cool thing for GQ, I think maybe last year, or a couple years ago, where it was like, was it you shot it like at a party? I don't know if it was the Grammys or something. Um, you photographed. Yeah, it was um, GQ NBA All Star Party. Okay, yeah. How did that shoot? Because I would imagine it was it basically like kind of at like a party, and then you're kind of just grabbing people as they're coming in, or how did that kind of shoot unfold for you? Yeah, sort of like that. I mean, it wasn't me personally grabbing them, yeah, but yeah, it was yeah. like yeah. you know, they're the the person for GQ or whatever would just like yeah. say he was linking with all their publicists or whatever, and they would hit him and say like, "Yo, so and so is here." Yeah, uh, when you want him to come by the portrait studio or whatever, and you know that person would just pop in. Yeah. you know, for like five or 10 minutes. Um, and yeah, it was at a party. It was, man, that was like one of the most fun shoots that I had done that year. Uh, just cause the energy was so crazy. Like, and it was the first time that I had did something like that with, within that kind of environment where it was just like a concert and a party yeah. and a photo shoot, just like all happening at the same time. So it was like Cardi, like my, my, um, my portrait studio was set up on the side of the stage mm-hmm. in like a little small dining room yeah. that we had like moved all the furniture and stuff out of. Um, and like behind me through some doors, it would be like Cardi B is on stage performing wow. and literally like live. And like, you know, the music is blaring and like drinks is flowing and like people everywhere. And like, it's, you know, in my little room, it's like eight people and like, you know, Chadwick Boseman from like Black Panther and uh, Winston Duke from Black Panther are in there like kicking it and yeah. talking and like hanging out. And it's just like, you know, mad other celebrities around and stuff. And so it was just a, uh, and it went on like that from like, yeah. I want to say the party started from like 7 to like 2 or 3 a.m. And that's pretty you know, amazing in LA. with so. all that going on because a lot of these portraits, you wouldn't, from looking at them, you wouldn't know that there's this like chaos going off behind this, but it's it almost looks like Chadwick Boseman's. It, when I look at that picture, I'm like, oh, it's probably just Marcus and this him. This in some quiet studio. It's pretty amazing you could kind of gain their attention with all that going on, you know? Yeah, no, nah, it was it was definitely dope. Like it was it was a fun shoot, man. And especially like we were able to get like a lot of different looks out of it and switch it up too. So mm. um yeah. that was one of the goals that I was or one of the challenges that I was presented with with the by the photo editor was that he was just like, you know, we're gonna be posting these live to IG and so we don't want it to look like the Brady Bunch and have it look like all the same. Oh, uh, everybody just walked in and all of the same shot every time, you know, that we post a shot. So he was like, how can we like switch it up and make it different yeah. for like each person? And it kind of feel fresh. Yeah. So I came up, you know, I kind of just came up with a solution for that. Yeah. Cause you didn't have a ton of space. You just kind of had a little area and you just kind of had to make it work. Pretty yeah. Good. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's amazing, man. Um, but I guess this kind of wrap up, like, I mean, you've been doing this for a while now. You've you, you've accomplished a lot. 
what advice do you think you'd kind of give the younger photographers out there that want to be making this their full-time job? Um, to, to invest a lot of time into learning the history of photography uh, and learning, like, aesthetically what you like and don't like and just spend a lot of time, like, working on your voice and, like, um, trying to, like, carve out uh, sort of, like, a style for yourself, I guess. Um, and don't be afraid to try different things and to fail at a lot of things mm -hmm. and, you know, show and, and talk about your work, you know, put it out there to people and just know that it's never going to be a good time, mm -hmm. uh, to start showing your work, you know, like you always are going to feel insecure about it. Yeah. Like that's just how artists are. Like, it's never going to be a good time. You're never going to feel like you're ready. Yeah. You always are going to feel the ups and downs of like seeing other people get work that you feel like you should have got like mm -hmm. that. All that stuff is going to exist at every level of the process. So yeah. yeah, it's not unusual to feel that way. Yeah. So don't think like, Oh, I'm the only one. And I'm like, you know, that you are an outcast because you feel like you're not good enough. You know, that's something that you face basically all the time so like you just got to embrace the 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 idea that that's going to be a constant and you have to find a way to overcome it and that's just through yeah continuing to shoot and you, continuing you, to put the work out there you even find yourself even now with everything you've done you kind of sometimes find yourself getting your own in your own in your own head sometimes yeah all the time i mean i go through phases where you know, that's just how it is. Like you go through phases where you just don't like mm. anything. <laughs> you know, you just you go through phases where you don't like any of the work yeah. where you're like, Oh man, I need to switch up everything. I need to just take my whole website down <laughs> and like start fresh. Like you go through those Burn things, it all down, you know? man. So, Burn it all down and build it back up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like you go through those phases until you realize that like that's just a natural part of being an emotional artist. Like Yeah. It's, it's normal, you yeah. know? And so you kind of just pull yourself out of it by doing what you need to do. That might be going and working on a personal project or not doing any photography. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes for me, the process involves me not doing anything related to photography. Sometimes I need to go take a break and go DJ mm -hmm. for a little while or go, you know, work out or go play some basketball or yep. just like, go watch a movie. You know, listen to some new music. Like, it's a lot of other things that Live life. you might need to go do. Yeah, to, in order to be inspired again. Go travel somewhere, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it's a ton of stuff, yeah. you know, that you can just get frustrated and tired with the same sort of, like, process over and over and over again. And you just need to break the routine yeah. to be inspired again. So, man, yeah. Definitely, man. I guess my last question, kind of any goals for your, your own work moving forward, anything you're hoping to work on in the future, I guess? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I think that it's to make a bigger push into getting into more uh, motion projects and to just get better, just to grow as a director uh, more and to get better about being able to, um, you know, have ideas and articulate them to other people in a clear and concise way. Mm. Oh, I like it, man. Well, uh, Marcus, can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. Uh, like I said, I've been following your work for a while. Always looking at your website. Lots of cool stuff up there. Um, but for people listening, where's the best place to check out your work? 
Uh, you can check it out at my website um, at marcusmithphoto.com and then also, you know, of course on IG at uh, marcus.chi. Perfect. I'll link it and people go can go check it out. And uh, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. I actually wanted to tell you about a new image transfer tool I've been using lately called PicDrop. Uh, PicDrop's a really great tool for when you need to send off those photos to your clients or whoever you're working with. Uh, you can create custom galleries, different folders. Um, your clients can actually write notes on the photos you sent to them and rate them. It's just a really easy way to keep all your stuff organized in one spot when you need to send off to your clients. I've been using it for a few months now and really enjoy it. For years, I was using like Dropbox and WeTransfer and things like that. Um, but with PicDrop, um, it was actually designed by photographers, so they really understand what photographers need. And like I said, I, I've really been enjoying it and can't say enough about it. And with today's podcast, if you enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER, you're actually going to get three months free when you sign up at PicDrop.com. Um, so definitely go check it out and let me know what you guys think. And remember to enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER and you'll get three months free when you sign up at PicDrop.com. And also, just got to give a big thank you to our guest, Marcus Smith. Uh, it was a real pleasure talking to him. Um, he's just accomplished a lot over the course of his career. Uh, he's been a big fan of his work, everything he's done within sports and all the athletes he shoots and whatnot. Just really creative work. Um, so definitely go check out Marcus's website at marcussmithphoto.com, as well as his Instagram at marcus.chi. Uh, lots of cool work up there. He's always updating it. So definitely go check that out. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, as well as on my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.